Welcome. You are listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church in Granite Falls, North Carolina. We invite you to join us online or in person for one of our services. For more information about our church, please visit day3church.org. Day 3 Church, experience a new day in your life. This mini-series that we've been doing last week and this week, I just simply call Preparing for Home Teams uh, or Small Groups, whichever you want to call them, because, uh, and I know there's not a really deep, uh, you know, creative title. And, and the reason I did that, I want to be very, very direct to you. Because the purpose of last week and, and this week is to challenge you to participate in a home team. You may have before and, and then you've not recently, or you may never have participated in, in a home team. And, and I just want to challenge you to really do that. The, the focal passage that we are looking at last week and this week, uh, just to kind of set the context for what we're talking about, is found in Acts chapter 2 where it talks about the early church. And uh, there are things that are said here that uh, was really, really necessary and beneficial in the early church that we still need to emulate in, in this day and time. And, and the Bible said there, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship to the breaking of bread and prayers, and all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and <clears throat> distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the number day by day those who were being saved. There are two especially clear things that I, that I wanted us to focus upon in, uh, in those verses because we really have done that last week and this week. We, we've got the need for community. And you, and you saw that in the early church. They, they devoted themselves to fellowship. And, and that's what I'm challenging you. I'm challenging you to devote yourself to fellowship with other Christians, to devote yourself to belonging to a, a small group. They had fellowship, meeting in homes, but they also devoted themselves to studying God's Word. And that's what we're going to talk about today. I'm, I'm challenging you today that you would understand the, the need to devote yourself, as the early church did, to the apostles' teaching. We need to devote ourselves to studying the Bible together. We can do that in, in this setting because hopefully we're getting ready to do it right now. Uh, you can study the Bible all by yourself, but I just think there's some benefit gained from studying the Bible with other people because you'll get different perspectives and things like that as, as you meet together and as you pray for each other and as you challenge each other and, and you study God's Word uh, together. So, so today, here's what we're going to talk about, the need for study, the need for studying God's Word. Why should we study God's Word? You know, why should we spend the time, why should that be a priority in our lives for us to study the Word of God. And here's the first reason why, if you're following along in the updates, filling in the blanks, here's your first one. God's Word transforms our lives. If you don't understand why you ought to spend time in the Bible, why you ought to study the Bible, in a small group, in church setting by yourself, you need to understand this. God's Word can transform our lives. John 17, as Jesus was praying his high priestly prayer to, to the Father, he, he prays these words. He says, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. That word for sanctify literally means to set apart. The, theologically or doctrinally, the, the moment, and we looked at this when we were going through that long study of Romans last year, but theologically or doctrinally, when you trust Christ as your Savior, in that instant, God set you apart to Himself. You, you, you were not His because we're all sinners and we're separated from Him by our sin. But when we receive Christ as our Savior, God takes us from our sin and He sets us apart into His family and He looks at us as though we're holy and, and we belong to Him. That's the idea of, of being sanctified. But in a practical way, not only has God sanctified us, He is sanctifying us. And, and as we 
Study the Bible as you and I strive to become more like Jesus. That's really what practical sanctification is. That's you and I day by day in our lives trying to be more and more like Christ. So as we are reading the Bible and asking God to change our lives through his word by showing us what we need to do and how we need to change our lives, as we let God's word be active in our lives, he is transforming our lives to where he's setting us apart more and more and more to himself. So I want you to think about how important God's word is then, since we're talking about how God can transform our lives through his word. I want you to think about the importance of God's word. It's real easy if we're not careful. Theologically, doctrinally, we may say, oh, the Bible's really, really important. This is God's word. But if we're not careful in, in our practical lives, we'll allow the time that we spend there to wane and to suffer. The, the Bible is so important and so significant, we don't need to allow it to slip from its place of importance in, in our lives. We, we don't need to take God's Word for granted. And, and here's three reasons why. First of all, God's Word is literally alive. That's what the Bible says. God's Word is alive. In Hebrews, the Bible tells us, for the Word of God is living and active. In other words, it's not like any other book in existence. It's not just something that, 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 that lays there. It's actually alive. And it, and it changes our lives. Like I said, it transforms our lives. That's why we need to, to read it. The, the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. The thing about the Bible having two huge things that it can do. It's a sword that, that can do this. It, it can kind of pierce our heart. It, it can convict us. It, it can, can show us the problems that we have in our lives. But, but it goes on, and it also says this, discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. The, the Word of God can help give us discernment. It, it can help us evaluate our choices, evaluate our attitudes. That's why the, the Bible is, is so important. It, it, it is literally alive. Jesus said it would never, ever pass away. We're referring to Moses receiving the commandments. Luke writes in, in Acts chapter 7 these words. This is the one, talking about Moses, this is the one who was in the congregation in the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him at Mount Sinai and with our fathers. Notice this. He received what kind of oracles? What does it say? Living, living oracles, words that are alive, words that, that, that bring life. Peter says this about the Word of God, since you've been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and abiding Word of God. Why should God's Word be given such a place of value and strategic importance in our lives? It's because it is alive. But secondly, it's because God's Word gives life also. Not just alive, it gives life. Everything that exists, according to the Word of God, all of creation, the stars, the sun, everything that exists, is because God said it. You're here because God said it. Life exists because God said it. The Bible tells us this in Hebrews eleven three. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God. It happened like this, I think. Jesus Christ, the living Word of God. The second part of the, of the triune God. Jesus spoke the words into existence. The, the Bible says that He's God's creative agent. He, he used Christ in creation. He, he spoke everything that exists. God said, let there be life and there was light. Let there be light and there was light. Let there be animals. Let there be plants. He, he said, let us create man in our image. God, God spoke and life existed. God's word gives life. He spoke all of creation into existence. And, and in James chapter 1 verse 18, we find these words. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth 
that, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. God's word's not only created physical life, God's word creates spiritual life because through his word, he changes us and he makes us part of his family, part of the first fruits of all of his creation. Spiritually, God's word makes us alive. God's word is also reliable. Why is the Bible so important? Why do we need to allow the word of God to have a proper place in our lives? Because God's word is reliable. John chapter 6 and verse 63 says, It is the spirit who gives life. Notice what he says about our flesh. The flesh is of no avail. The words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life. If the flesh is to no avail, then that means some things that a lot of times we trust in are to no avail. Our human intellect, when compared to the Word of God, is to no avail. Our human emotions can mislead us. Our human emotions are unreliable. Our intellect is unreliable. Human logic is unreliable. Human advice, although we, you know, many times we'll go and seek good godly advice, and if that's what it is from some friend, then if it's good godly advice, it's okay to go and ask for it. But a lot of times we're just looking for conventional wisdom or, you know, whatever political correctness might be in the culture in which we're living. And the problem with all those things is this. All of those things are flawed by the fall of sin. We, we can't fully trust in human advice. We can't trust in our culture because our culture is changeable and unreliable. Political correctness is unreliable. Conventional wisdom is unreliable. Philosophy is unreliable. Psychology is unreliable. So-called science is, is unreliable. They even change it from time to time, what the, the, the values are. And as they make new discoveries, the, the only thing that is truly reliable is God's Word. He told us there that it's, it's the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is of no avail. The words that I've spoken to you, Jesus said, they are spirit and they are life. His word is the only thing that is completely, totally reliable. Proverbs tells us this. Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not Add to his words, lest he rebuke you and, and you be found a liar. He, he tells us there that every word of God proves itself to be true. His word is reliable. That's why it needs to have such an important place in our lives. That's why we need to study the word of God. Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 15 and 16, you find these words. Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, but shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase under more ungodliness. Man, think about that. What has changed our culture for the worse? When we go away from the Word of God and we begin to, and we begin to accept what conventional wisdom is, what our culture says, what human intellect might say, but we go away from what God himself tells us. That's happened to us. You can look in our, our society and see it today. Shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more godliness. We need to spend time studying the Word of God because it's alive, it gives life, and, and the Word of God's reliable. That's why we need to study it. But don't just think about the, the importance of God's Word. I want you to also think about the influence of, of God's Word this morning. Because if, if God's Word is what we just looked at, if it is reliable and all those other sources are unreliable, then what we need to allow to influence our lives more than culture, more than all those other things, is the Word of God. The, the Word of God needs to be what influences us. And in order to experience the, the influence, I think, that God desires for us to have from the Word of God, three things really need to happen. The first one is this. You need to accept the authority of God's Word. Accept the authority of God's Word. We saw a moment ago in Proverbs, it says every word of God proves true. But look at this in, in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16 to 17. All Scripture, that little word all is very important. And by the way, I did look it up in the original manuscript, and it's really there, and it really exists. It literally means all, not part, not some, all. All Scripture is breathed out by God 
and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. He, he tells us that God's Word is beneficial for all those things. But, but it's only truly beneficial if we're willing to accept it as authoritative. All the other sources we talked about are unreliable. That's why we need to base our lives upon the authority of God's Word. God's Word needs to be a standard for our lives. You know what a standard is? Like a standard of measurement. Or a standard of weight that you compare things against. Well, the, the standard for our lives ought to be the Word of God. God's Word should be a, a compass that gives direction for our lives. God's Word ought to be where we go to receive our, our counsel in, in life. We, all the other sources are unreliable. God's Word needs to be what influences us, not our, our culture. And our culture is basically this. Everyone's doing it. That's the idea of culture. Well, everybody else is doing it today, so it's okay. That's the idea of culture. Culture will take you down the wrong path. Just because everyone is doing it, if everyone were to walk to the edge of the Grand Canyon and jump off without a parachute or an airplane or anything else, are you going to follow them? Just because everyone else is doing it? God's Word is reliable, not our culture, not traditions. Traditions is what the church gets hung up on so much a lot of times. We've always done it this way, or the reverse of it, we've never done it like this before. And the standard doesn't need to be tradition. The standard needs to be what the Bible really says. Not human reason, because when you think about human reason being what influences our lives, some people will think, well, it just seems logical. But our logic is flawed by sin and the influence of the world that we face. So you can't, you can't trust your logic. Well, just follow your heart. The Bible says the heart's deceitfully wicked. No one can know it. Not human emotions. That kind of goes along with the heart thing. Well, it just feels right. See, the problem with all of those things is this. All of those things have been flawed by the fall that mankind experienced into sin. That's why we don't need to allow our lives to be influenced by these things to be the driving force of our lives. Instead, we need to understand we ought to study the Word of God because we need the influence of God's Word upon our lives. God's Word needs to be the benchmark. God's Word needs to be the first and the last word about something in our lives. To be honest with you, the question that you and I ought to ask is probably something like this. What does the Bible say about everything? If we would stop and evaluate before we make a choice, a decision, giving a temptation, you know, take a direction in our lives. If we would stop and try and evaluate it by the Word of God, it sure would save us a lot of trouble. If we would ask that question, what does the Bible say about everything? And then once we see what the Bible says, we need to be willing to accept the authority of God's Word, whether we like what it said or not. Because I'll be honest with you, I'm human, and there are a lot of times I don't like what it says because I'm kind of wanting to do something else. But no matter what it says, once we discover that's what God's Word really says, we, we need to accept it as authoritative in our lives, whether it even makes sense to us or not. Second thing we, we need to do in order to fully feel the influence of God's Word in, in our lives is, is not just accept the authority of it. We need to assimilate the, the truth of God's Word. And, and assimilate's a word that, that, that really kind of gives the idea of taking it into yourself. Jeremiah wrote these words, your words were found, and I ate them. And your words became to me a joy and the delight of my heart. For I called, for I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. He, he's referring to it in a way of, of consuming it. I, I found your, your word and I, and I took it into myself. And the Bible is described in ways that, that, that lends itself to that. The Bible is referred to as bread or as a, a seed. 
And things that we need to take into our lives, that we need to, to, to be willing to receive. We need to assimilate God's Word. And in order for that to happen, five things need to happen. Now, let me stop for a minute, okay? I, I'm in the middle of three things, all right? <laughs> in order for us to really experience the influence of God's Word, first of all, we need to accept God's Word as authoritative in our lives. We're on number two, which is we need to assimilate God's Word. But to fully assimilate God's Word, I'm going to give you five things. Then we'll come back to the third thing of the first three. Have I got you getting thoroughly confused now? Here's the five things that need to happen for us to really assimilate God's Word. First of all, we need to receive it. Jesus even gave a, a warning in Luke. He said, take care then how you hear. An illustration of that is in what we call the, the parable of the sower, which I think would be better called the parable of the soils. Because that's really the intent of that parable that Jesus tells. Because you've got, you know, one sower going out and he's casting seed, but the seed falls upon different soils. We need to be the kind of soil that's receptive the, the kind of soil that receives the Word of God and it gets into our lives and it takes root and it grows. That's the kind of, of, of soil that we need to be. We need to receive God's Word. If God's Word is going to make a difference in our lives, in order to assimilate it, we have to first of all be willing to receive it. James, in chapter 1, verse 21, said this, Therefore put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness, notice what he says, the implanted Word which is able to save your souls. We, we need to receive it into our heart. Not only do we need to receive it, we also need to do this. We need to read God's Word. If you're going to assimilate it, you need to spend some time reading it. Jesus said to the Jews who believed in Him, if you abide in my Word, part of abiding means to actually sit down and take time to read and see what it says. Because you can't follow the steps, you can't abide in it as far as it being principles and practices in your life until you abide in it by just sitting down and taking it and reading it to begin with. You are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. He said if, if we will abide in his word, if we will take time to read his word. You realize for about the first 2,000 years of the church, the only ones that had the access to the Word of God were priests. There, there's a painting that I showed you uh, back when we were going through Romans because of uh, Martin Luther having, you know, read that the just shall live by faith. And that's kind of like the, the, the verse that the Reformation was launched out upon. And in the painting, he's in a basement with this big Bible, and there's a chain hanging from it. Do you want to know why there's a chain hanging from it? He had to steal it <laughs> in order to be able to get it and read it for himself. He had to cut the chain because in that day and time, they only wanted the priest to be able to read it, and, you know, everyone else, you were peons, and someone else had to tell you what to believe and what to do. When the New Testament actually says that every believer is, is a priest unto God. So think how for granted we take the privilege that we have. But for the first 2,000 years or so, the, the average person could not even have a Bible. And today there are more Bibles in print than any other time in the world. And yet we have allowed our Bible to be something that we wear like jewelry. <laughs> and we put it under our arm and we carry it to church because we want to look spiritual when we go to church. And then when we go back home, we find a shelf or a place that we put it. And then, oh, it's Sunday again. Let me see, where did I put my Bible? Let me go find it. I need to look spiritual again. I need to hear it with me. 
Now, that's where you are. I understand that hurts. And I'm not trying to hurt you. I'm trying to help you. While I'm hurting us, I'll go ahead and hurt myself. And probably the rest of us in doing so. This is what is really important that ought to transform our lives. And yet we take for granted the great privilege that we have to own a copy of the Bible today when people could not and people even die in some parts of the world today trying to hide a copy of the Bible or trying to smuggle a copy of the Bible in. We take that great privilege for granted and we will sit and watch television for 20 hours a week. And even if you're on a Bible reading plan, you might be reading your Bible for 10, 15, 30 minutes a day. And we wonder why our lives are so messed up and our homes are so messed up and our culture is so messed up when we are being taught how to live by Hollywood instead of being taught how to live by God. Does that make sense? That's why we need to be spending time reading the Bible. Many people will boast, I believe it from cover to cover, and they've never read it from cover to cover. God's Word, if, if it is really going to influence our lives the way it needs to, we need to assimilate it. That begins by, by being willing to receive it. That begins by taking time to, to, to read the Word of God. Rick Warren said this. Rick Warren said that daily Bible reading will keep you in the range of God's voice. We'll take time and read it every day, not just on Sundays, not carry it as a piece of jewelry to church. But if we'll read it, it'll keep us in range of hearing God's voice. Thirdly, if we're going to assimilate the Bible, not only do we need to be willing to receive it and read it, but we need to research it. We need to be willing to, to dig into it some. The Bible says this in James 1.25, but the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres. In other words, we're willing to look into it. We're willing to dig into it. We're willing to persevere as we are looking into the Word of God. Being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. There's a, there's a reason, there's a value for us to read the Bible and receive the Bible and, and to research the Bible because it can, can bless our lives as we dig into the Bible. You, you need to, as you read the Bible, take notes. Get, get yourself a journal and pull it out and take some notes and write down every day what you feel like God is saying to you and maybe compare it and cross-reference it and, and make notes. I'm a big proponent of making notes in your Bible. Some people act like, I, you know, should never mark in the Bible. I, I, I don't know about that. I have a lot. If it's wrong, I guess Jesus will tell me one day that it was wrong and I, and I shouldn't have marked in it. I knew a pastor years ago that his daughter would ask him, why do you write in your Bible so much? And he was joking with her and he said, well, just every now and then God tells me to add to the Scriptures. And of course, that's not the case, but we do need to research the Bible. We do need to spend time in the Bible. And, and as you're reading the Bible, ask yourself some questions like, like this. What, what does this mean? What did it originally mean? Who did he originally write this to? What's the, what's the context of, of how it's written? What did the verses before it or the chapters before it have to say? What, what circumstances was taking place when this was written to help you understand what, what the Bible has to say? And then after you're willing to receive it, and you're reading it, and you're researching the Bible, you need, you need also to do this if you're going to assimilate it. You need to remember what it says. I mean, think about how practical that is. What good is it for us to be willing to receive it, for us to read it, for us to research the Bible, and then just let it go out of our consciousness? And not try and remember what the Word of God has to say to us because that's one of the really reasons why we need to study the Bible. You need to have it in your heart. You need to remember it because here's my experience. I don't know about you. I've not ever been hit too many times with terrible temptation or, or things like that in my life while I'm sitting and I'm reading the Bible. 
Same kind of, that's not maybe an opportune time to come around. But it's when I don't have my Bible close to me, and I can't pull it out in a moment's notice to say, well, let me see about this emotion that I'm having, this feeling that I'm having, this action that I'm wanting to be involved with. That's when he wants to bring it to us. So that's why we need to remember the Word of God, because when temptation hits... More than likely, you're not going to be sitting there with a Bible open reading it. David in Psalm 119 said this, I've stored up your word in my heart. Why? That I might not sin against you. Because if it's stored up in my heart, and then some temptation comes along, and I know enough of the Word of God, I can say, no, that's wrong, because I remember what the Word of God had to say about it. You need to remember God's Word because in your life, you're going to be faced with choices and directions in your life. And like I said, that choice or that direction that you're pondering may not hit you in a moment when you have the Bible in your hand. You need to remember God's Word because as you face choices in life and directions in your life, David also said this in Psalm 119, Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I, I have something that I can apply and turn on to help me see which direction I need to go in. The, my, my memory of the Scriptures or me having time to open the Scriptures and read the Scriptures is like a spiritual GPS system for my life to where I can figure out the direction that God wants me to go. Now, sometimes our GPSs get messed up that we have, don't they? But it's still beneficial to have them. I decided a few months ago I, I needed to, I had one in my car, but I needed to figure a way to hook it up to my motorcycle. <laughs> because I spent a good bit of time on my motorcycle, and Becky and me, were, uh, we were up uh, uh, on the parkway and everything like that. Have you ever gotten some parts of the parkway and you start to wonder, where in the world do you find gas? And I was in a part that I was starting to get worried as I kind of looked down at my gas gauge on my motorcycle. So I, I pulled over and I turned on the, the GPS that I had in, in installed and, and wired in and I plugged in looking for a gas stations and there was one 1.7 miles away. But I wouldn't have known that at all without having the GPS. You see, my, my point is this. I understand the GPSs we use sometimes uh, don't get the uploads and everything like they need to. That's not true of God's Word. God's Word is perfect and it will always give us the direction we need in the choices that we need to make in our life. You need to remember God's Word also because of this. Because there will be times in your life that you need comfort. And it may be a time that you just don't have the Bible laying right there. And if you can remember some passages of hope from the Word of God, you can find comfort. David also wrote these words, Remember your word to your servant in which you have made me hope. This is my comfort in my affliction that, you, that, your, promise gives, should, that your promise gives me life. We remember the Word of God in a moment of despair, and you don't have the Bible right there, you can, you can pull it up from your heart, from your mind, and allow it to provide comfort for you. And there are going to be times that you need to share it with others. But in your hearts, regard Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Why do you need to remember the Word of God? Because you may have a friend at work or a neighbor that you're out in the yard talking to or just someone out in the marketplace, someone in passing, someone in school, whatever the case is, and they bring up a question that you know you can help them with and answer from the Word of God. But you may not have it right there, but if you have studied the Bible, if you can remember the Bible, in that moment's notice you can share a truth with them. They, that can help them in, the, in that moment that they're facing. How can you assimilate God's Word? You need to be willing to receive it. You need to read it. You need to research it. You need to remember it. But you also need to do this. You need to reflect 
upon God's word. Also in Psalm 119, David said, I will lift up my hands toward your commandments, which I love. I will meditate on your statutes. Don't let that word meditate flip you out. Because in our culture in this day and time, too often when you hear meditation, you get the idea of someone crossing their legs and they're putting their fingers in some weird configuration and humming or something like that, you know. So, uh, and I understand that's what meditation means to, to those people. I'm not making fun of them. I'm, I'm just saying that's the way we get in our mind meditation a lot of times. When meditation simply just means this, it, it means you're reflecting upon, you're thinking about You're processing in your mind. You're you're thinking over and over about something. Some people can say, well, but I I wish I knew how to really reflect and meditate upon God's Word, but I just don't know how to. You see, that's really a lie because all of us know how. You want to know how I can tell you that? How many here know how to worry? Can you worry about something? Be honest with me. Can you worry? Huh? How many can worry? You realize when you are worrying, you're doing exactly what I'm talking about. You're meditating on something. You're thinking about it over and over and over and over and over again. That's what worry is. So if, the, the only thing that's different when I'm, when I'm saying in order to really assimilate God's Word, we need to spend time reflecting upon God's Word is this. Instead of worrying over and over and over and over again about something that's really negative and just going to pull you down, what you need to do is think about over and over and over and over again God's Word. Reflect upon what it says. Read it. That morning, and then as you go through your day, be reflecting upon what God has said to you, because somewhere along the way, it's probably going to be beneficial on that day. Spend time meditating and reflecting upon what the Word of God has to say. Psalm 119, verse 96 through 98 also tell us this. Nothing is perfect except your words. So if you don't worry about something, why not worry about something that's perfect? Why not spend time reflecting upon God's Word? Nothing is perfect except your words. Oh, how I love them. I think about them all day long. They make me wiser than my enemies because they are my constant guide. God told Joshua this, The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you'll have good success. So if you and I really want the Word of God to influence our lives like it should, we have to accept it as the authority for our lives. We have to assimilate it doing those five things that we just talked about. Now that I've talked about the five things, let's come back to the third one. Remember what I tried to confuse you a minute ago? Here's the third thing that we need to do to really let God's Word influence our lives. You need to apply it. What good is receiving, reading, researching, remembering, reflecting upon God's Word? All those are useless efforts unless you apply it to your life. Unless you understand that it has enough value and enough meaning that you can apply it to your life and it makes a a huge difference in your life. James 1.22, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. Jesus described a doer of the word, someone that obeys his word with a story in Matthew that, that says this. And I'm just going to read part of the story. But he says, everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And then the storm came, the rain fell, the floods uh, came, and, and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. The opposite was true of someone who heard God's word and then just let it leave their mind. So if you want to build your life upon a solid foundation, you need to have the word of God applied to your life. Jesus also said this, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Not if you hear them, but if if we will actually apply the Word of God to our lives. As you read the Bible, here's one last tip, I guess, maybe about studying. As you read the Bible, write out action steps, action words. What is it that God wants you to do? Read it from that standpoint and write out some action steps as you read it. 
There's one last point that we need to close and I, we, that I'm going to cover as quickly as I possibly can. But not only does God's Word transform our lives, God's Word also does this. It helps us to grow spiritually. That's why you need to be in a small group. That's why you need to be studying the Bible with other believers. That's why you need to read the Bible on your own. That's why you need to come to church and study the Bible here. It helps us to grow. Jesus said this, it's written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. You also find this in the, in the scriptures. Next, next slide. Peter said, like newborn babies long for the pure milk of the word. We ought to have a desire, an appetite for the Bible so that by it you may grow in respect to salvation if you have tasted the, the kindness of the Lord. We, we ought to have an appetite, a desire for the word of God so we can, so we can grow spiritually. Physically, the goal of those of us who are parents that have children, whether you realize it or not, there'll come a day that you realize this is the goal. When they're little babies and everything like that, you hate to see them grow up and you hate to see them go off and everything like that. But here, the goal is to grow them up. Understand that? The, the goal in raising children will be for them to mature and be functioning human beings in this world. That, that's the reason for, for having the kids. It would not be good for you to have an 18-year-old in home rocking them in your lap, shoving a bottle in their mouth, and they're sucking milk down. Wouldn't be, wouldn't be natural. Wouldn't be healthy for them. Our goal is for them to grow. As much as I hated... Two weeks ago this past Friday, driving up to Western Carolina, dropping my last child off, as much as I hated driving away, he didn't make it easy on us either. Don't tell him I said so. He'll be here at the next service because he's in for a long weekend, which I'm thrilled about. You know, he's in, so I get to see him a few days. So don't tell him I said this. Some of you will run and see him and tell him. So you see him probably, don't you? He, he, he cried worse than the girls did when we dropped them off. So that made it worse on us. And I wasn't prepared for it. But at the same time, if I look at it in the correct way, that's part of growing up. That's part of maturing. And I ought to be glad and thrilled to death that I am that that's, that's part of maturing. Problem is, when it comes to our lives spiritually, there are too many Christians that are still sucking on a bottle. There are too many Christians that have never mature they've never grown up. And Paul writes these words in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 2. I gave you milk to drink, not solid food, for you were not yet able to receive it. Indeed, even now, you're not yet able. He said, I've, I kept treating you like babies because you kept acting like a baby. So when you think about the, the, the Bible, the, the Bible is described like this. Next, next slide. The Bible is God's spiritual diet plan. It's, it's called milk, it's called bread, it's called solid food. It, it, it's even referred to as dessert, something sweet. It's like God has a four-course meal for us. God, God has a menu in His spiritual restaurant that, that He wants us to live our lives by. Psalm 119, 103 says, How sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. So as we, we get ready to close, you know, can I, can I kind of ask you, what diet plan are you on? What kind of diet plan are you currently on? Where are you in, in assimilating God's Word? How important is the Word of God to you? Or are you still drinking from a bottle like a spiritual baby instead of having grown? And if you're still just drinking from a bottle... And, and you're asking yourself, and you're frustrated about your life, and, and you're thinking, why is my faith so weak? Well, what would you be like as a human being if all you had ever done was drink milk? What point are you at spiritually? Are you at a point in your life spiritually concerning knowing the Word of God that somebody has to spoon feed you the Word of God like you're a baby in a high chair? Or have you grown to the point that you can feed yourself? And that you can help feed other people. 
How happy would you be if the only diet, the only thing that you had in your life to feed upon were milk? Honest, if that's all you had. Go to your refrigerator, open the refrigerator. Nothing there but milk. Go to the cupboard and open the pantry and there's nothing in there but maybe dried milk. Go to the freezer and look in the freezer. There's nothing there but frozen jars of milk. Every meal that you sit down at, that's nothing but milk. How satisfied and happy would you be in your life? Wouldn't you like to get away from some milk? And I'm going to help you guys out because lunch is on the way. And have some potatoes and some steak, some fried chicken, some dessert. Wouldn't you like to move beyond just having milk? I'm trying to help all the restaurants out because you guys will be leaving in a few minutes to go. I'm sorry, I saw saw someone look and shake their head no because uh, Dave Dave and Aggie only eat really high-quality food, so I could use them for an additional illustration of how we ought to grow spiritually, you know. They just eat the organic food and everything like that. They're... Their dogs get organic chicken because they, they've got an arrangement. They've got an arrangement with uh, one of the grocery stores when they know it's going to be put on uh, on sale and marked down. About to go out of date. Their dogs get organic chicken. I don't even get organic chicken all the time. But see, that's their goal is to have, and the reason I went there because I saw her, you know, kind of look at Dave and shake her head. The reason I went there is this. Their goal is to have the highest quality food they can have. Your goal as a Christian ought to be able to have the highest quality food you can have. To assimilate it in your life because God's Word is what can help us grow spiritually. Do you have a desire for it? Is that where you are in your life? Do you have a desire for the Word of God? I want you to notice what Job said. Then we'll close. Job, who, by the way, had a lot of trouble going in his life. Do you remember Job? Job said this, I have not departed from the command of your lips. Somebody that maybe had a lot of reason to say, God, because of all the junks happened to me in my life, I'm done with you. I'm done with reading the Bible. I'm done with studying the Word of God. But Job said this, I've not departed from the command of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. That's how vital, that's the desire that, that Job had for the Word of God. And that's the desire that we need to have. That's how necessary and how vital we need to understand the Word of God is for our lives if we're going to grow spiritually and be healthy as, as Christians. That's why last week I talked to you about the need for community because you need to be in community and fellowship with other believers. That's why today I'm talking to you about the need for study because God's Word will transform your life, transform my life, transform our lives together as we study the Word of God. God's Word is very important It's alive, it gives life, and it's the only reliable thing you can base your life upon. God's Word needs to influence our lives. We need to accept it as the authority for our life. We need to assimilate it, take it into our lives. We need to apply it to our lives. Let's pray. Father, Forgive us when we take for granted your word. You sent it to us. You preserved it for us. People have lost their lives to be sure that we still have it in our world today. People were thrown in prison years ago for just having print presses. to print out your word. That still happens to people in some cultures and some areas of our world. 
Forgive us, God, when we take it for granted. Lord, I pray you give each of us a a desire, a daily desire to study your word. I pray, God, today that in some form or fashion you have challenged all of us to spend more time in your word. Father, I pray that you have challenged people to go out in just a moment and sign up and be part of a home team and study your word together with other believers. Father, especially we're thankful that you sent your living word, your son, into this world. In your Bible, your written word is his story. It tells us that he would come, and that's exactly what he did. It tells us that he would die, and that's exactly what he did. He died on the cross for our sins. It tells us that he took his life back up. And that through faith in Him, we can be forgiven, we can have everlasting life. The Father, I also pray today that you challenge anyone here that does not know Christ as their Savior, to trust in Him. Because that's the real purpose, the real reason that you sent your Word. For it's in His name we pray. Amen. We have this thing we call an invitation song at church. It's simply a time for you to reflect upon what we've talked about today. Maybe ask yourself, have you been reading the Bible like you should? Maybe, you know, maybe you're like the illustration that I gave you a moment ago. And you carry it to church and you take it home and you put it back down. So I, I don't have that, really, that opportunity because I have to study it every week to be here, to have something to say to you. But even though I do that, can I be really transparent with you and and share something with with you from my own life? When, When I'm only reading this to come here and preach to you for the sermon, and I'm not also reading it off to the side just for myself, my life, even though I'm a pastor, will go downhill. Because it's real easy for me to tell myself, but I, I've studied 20 hours this week to do a sermon and come up with excuses why I, I don't have time to read it for myself. And I'm telling you, there's times in my life when I've done that, and when that has happened, I nosedive. The Bible's very important, and maybe if you need to make a new, fresh commitment today to read it like you should, I pray that you'll do it. Please stand. God speaks to your heart and you need to trust in Christ. We invite you to come. If you need to come up here and kneel and pray and make a commitment to join a home team or a commitment to read your Bible like you should, we invite you to do that. But if God leads you just to stand there and during this song, in this moment, for you to pray and say, God, as a Christian, I'm sorry I've not been letting you speak to me as you should. God, I'm making a commitment today to read the Bible as I should. Please stand as we do this song. Thanks for listening to this sermon audio production from Day 3 Church. We pray that it has ministered to you. For more information about our location, service times, or other sermon podcasts, please visit us online at day3church.org. Day 3 Church. Experience a new day in your life.